0: Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. That is way too good of an introduction from Pastor Nate, Um, but my husband Cody and I are here with Nate and Michelle this weekend, and we love your pastors. They are great friends to us. We've known them just about a year and a half, but it feels like we've known them for a long time because we just connect through ministry and the different things, the season of life with our kids, and so it's just been an honor to be with your leadership team this weekend and then be speaking today as well. Um, But as Nate mentioned, we pastor in Ohio. Cody's the lead pastor of our church, and I serve on staff with the key line of other duties as assigned, whatever Cody may need done. Um, I just say yes to and get the privilege of doing, or maybe the obligation, I don't know. Either way, we get it done. And it is to God's glory that he is moving in our church and doing things, and we can take zero credit for it. And it was way too kind of an introduction from Nate, so... I don't really wanna set you up for disappointment, but you might not like to take notes today. I don't know, we're just gonna see what God's gonna do, but I do believe he has something for you today. First, I wanted to share a little bit about our family. We have two boys and two girls. We have a 15-year-old son, a 14-year-old son, a 12-year-old daughter, and a nine-year-old daughter, and they are awesome. And see, we all fit sort of in one selfie-taking photo right there. That's us at a baseball game, just hanging out and having fun. But, you know, it's so great because we love our kids. And they still seem to like us a little bit, which is a really good benefit for most parents, right? If you've got teenage kids, you understand what I'm talking about. There comes a moment in time where you maybe aren't the smartest person that they know and they realize they don't actually have to do anything you say. But right now, ours are still hypnotized and listening to what we have to say. Our oldest son's name is Josiah and our son, the next in line, Joshua, they're just about 13 months apart and they are such great friends and we often get the comment you know why did you name them so similarly why did you name them Josiah and then Joshua and let me tell you with this many kids it's pretty easy to get them confused especially when you're infuriated over something and you just need to get their attention right moms and dads in the room how many times have you called a name a kid by the wrong name You probably did it this morning just to get here on time, right? We're in the car, let's go. And so it's interesting because I don't like to defend it, but the Lord really did give us their names. And so I just think the Lord was trying to confuse everyone when they came across our our boys, that they are close in age and their names are very similar. But you know, what's interesting is that when you're known by God, it doesn't matter how similar your name is is or how similar your experience or your season of life is, he knows exactly who you are and he's never going to call you by the wrong kid's name. And he never does it to get you out the door. Well, I mean, he does do it a little with some discipline at times maybe, but he doesn't do it to belittle you, to shame you, to embarrass you, but he knows your name. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in the Be Known series, that God knows your name. You are not just a number. You're not just a a application at your job or a paycheck that gets paid. You are known by God intimately by name. You're not just the handle on your social media applications. He knows your real name. In Psalm 139, it tells us that he knows when we lie down and when we get up. He knows our every move. He actually knows our thoughts and our ways. So he knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he still loves you and calls you by name. What an incredible God that we serve, that he knows us by name and he cares for us despite all the things he really knows about us. See, in a society of in in culture where we really want to be seen, but maybe not known, it's difficult to be vulnerable and intimate with people. Right? We can be behind a screen. And be seen, maybe be noticed, maybe even be viral at some point. But to really be known is a much different scenario. For someone to know the intimate details of who you are, to know your anxious thoughts, to know the mistakes you made, to know the, maybe the lies you're still tinkering to live with. He knows every part of you. God does. He knows you and he loves you. Most people in this room would say, that's kinda scary. It's scary to be known in that way. But in God's kingdom, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for him to know you so intimately. And I wanna share with you today just a few examples of what it means to be known by God and what it means for us to have that kind of relationship with him. First, I want you to know that God uses your name to get your attention so you will know his voice and be led by him. God uses your name to get your attention so that you can recognize his voice and follow his leading. See, God knows what's best for us. We try to work really hard to make our plans and to do them and to maybe even have the five-year plan of where we're gonna be and what we're gonna be doing with our life and how we're gonna be successful, how we're gonna get there, but maybe we need to stop making our plans and be led by the voice of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, there's a familiar story if you've been in church before. If not, I'm going to kind of summarize it. And the text is going to be on the screen. I'm not going to read it verbatim, but I wanted you to be able to reference it if you wanted to go back and look at it. And you have Samuel, who's being raised up to be a priest. And he keeps getting woken up at night by someone saying his name. Samuel. Samuel. Samuel and he goes and he knocks on the door of Eli the the chief priest's room and is like hey what do you need he's like i'm sleeping i don't know what do you need so well okay I, I thought i heard my name so then he goes back to sleep and then he hears it again samuel samuel and he gets up and he goes and he visits eli hey what do you need here i am did you call me i'm here I was like bro You ate some bad pizza or something because I'm not calling your name. I'm sleeping and you're waking me up. And then it happens again. Samuel, Samuel, he's like, bro, I'm here. And finally, Eli says, listen, I'm not calling your name, but I bet God is. So next time you hear your name called, say, here I am, your servant, Lord. What do you have to say? And so he goes to lie down again, and here he hears his name again, Samuel, Samuel. And you know what, Eli, or Sam, Samuel responds and he says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so the Lord began to speak to Samuel in a very unique and specific way and told him things that he didn't tell anyone else. And the only way that Samuel was able to hear what God had to say is he had to recognize his voice. And God showed him that it was him speaking to him by calling him by name. He didn't just say, hey, is anybody listening? Okay, can I wake anybody up from a dream? No, he said very specifically, Samuel, Samuel. And from that moment, Samuel was able to recognize the voice of the Lord, and then he was able to listen and obey. See, if we want to be known by God and make a difference in the world, if we want to see just one more saved, we're going to have to recognize the voice of the Lord and be led by his voice, not led by our feelings or our emotions or our desires or our purpose or our mission, but God's mission alone. The only way we're able to do that is if we know the voice of the Lord and we recognize it and we listen to it. What's interesting is in chapter three, verse seven, it says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never heard a message from the Lord before. So the Lord had to keep knocking on his heart, kept saying his name because it was an unfamiliar voice to him. God does not want his voice to be unfamiliar to you. That is why he calls you by name those little small stirrings in your heart to say or to do something that seems unusual that might not be your personality or that, hey, you know, should, I feel like I should text so-and-so. That could be the Lord speaking to you. And it says in Samuel thirty-one that uh, while this was happening, in these days, messages from the Lord were rare and visions were quite uncommon. But because God... God wants to speak to you specifically and he wants to speak to you personally and he knows your name. We don't want his voice to be uncommon and in the miracles that he does in our life to be rare, right? I want miracles to be everyday kind of miracles that they happen so frequently that it's just this is what life is, that God spoke to me and I, I sent this text of encouragement to somebody and it was exactly what they needed in that moment and because of that, God did something incredible in their life. I want God to use me in such a way that his voice is not rare. His leading is not uncommon, but it is that every single day thing that I do, that I wake up saying, Lord, I'm your servant. Speak to me. What would you have me do? See, when God calls you by name, it's because he needs you to move in a way that only you can he needs you to speak that word of encouragement that only you can. He needs you to do something that only you can. He's designed and created you to do it. it. says before you even breathe life on this side of earth, God knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows every inward part of you. He has created and molded you on purpose to do something only you can do. So we need to hear his voice And recognize it we need to be ready just like Samuel he popped up every time good for him because I don't wake up well in the middle of the night y'all I train my kids at a very early age that they don't wake mom up in the middle of the night if they need something because I'm gonna be absolutely useless to them and to this day if they need anything after they've been put to bed do you know whose side of the bed they go to Cody's it's incredible because I am absolutely useless in the middle of the night. But Samuel was ready. He popped up, I'm here, Lord, I'm listening. We gotta be ready, we gotta train our ear to recognize him. In a world that is full of noise and distraction, we have to have an ear that is tuned to the voice of God. Not the noise that's surrounding us or the voices that are trying to creep in or the accuser that's always on your back or society that tells you that you're weird, you're crazy, you don't know what you're doing. No, no, no. We gotta tune those out and turn up the volume of God's voice. That means we have to train our ear to recognize him. And then we have to be bold. We have to be bold to step out in faith when he calls us to do something. What God asked Samuel to do, how he was leading him, was not an easy path. I'll let you read the rest of the story on your own, but it wasn't easy. He had to step out boldly and be obedient. God wants you to know his voice so that that hearing him doesn't become rare or uncommon in your life. That's why he calls you by name because he wants to speak to you. He has something for you. To be known by God is also to remember and recognize that God is with us and that he wants a personal relationship with us. And for this, I wanna be talking about Moses. I love the Old Testament, y'all, I just, it's just so good. But God is with you and he wants a personal relationship with you. And we see this exercise in the life of Moses in multiple occasions, that he, he has this very deeply intimate and personal relationship with Moses because he's gonna use him in very specific ways. In Exodus 33, is a very specific time where Moses once again is like, God, why are you asking me to do this? I don't know how we're gonna do it, right? Like, is that not every Sunday night before the crazy week starts, mom's feeling? Lord, how are we gonna do it this week? How are we gonna to get to here and here and here? And the kids need this and they need that. Listen, school just started back. You guys, have y'all been in a fury for a couple of weeks trying to figure out just how to make it through till Friday? Yeah, but see Moses is a little, he has a little bit more complication. He's got, you know, a whole nation and they're all rebellious and a little discontent and not easy, hard headed and don't really appreciate him as a leader. And he's sitting here saying, God, you've been telling me this, you've been telling me this, you've been telling me this and I just don't know how it's gonna happen. And you said you were gonna be with me and you said you know me by name, but God, how is this gonna happen? And God sits there and he says, listen, Moses, I do know you. I know you by name and I am with you. And let me tell you how I'm going to prove this to you. You're going to come over here and I'm going to walk past you. And I'm going to have an encounter with you that isn't just on a piece of paper or on a live stream somewhere. But I'm going to have a face-to-face encounter with you because I want you to know that I am a personal God." that I want to know you and I wanna see you face to face. That you are not just someone that does something for me but that we're actually friends. That we're friends. God desires a personal relationship with you and he wants to see you and meet you face to face, just like a friend. There's an older song called I'm a friend of God. And you know, everybody has songs they love and songs they don't love. Um, it's a worship song, but it's not my favorite. And I always just thought, it's so silly. I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. He calls me friend. Anybody know? Okay, just me. That's good. Thanks. Thanks, Nate. And in that, there's such good theology. There's such good knowledge of who God is when we think of him as our friend, that he's not some puppet master sitting up in heaven, moving his hand around, telling everybody what to do and shooting lightning bolts at them when they mess up and punishing them when they don't do everything right, but that in fact, he is a friend who wants a face-to-face relationship with us. He's not so distant that he's sitting on a throne somewhere unreachable, un- unmovable, but that he actually wants to commune with us. He wants to be with us. So he, he gives Moses this moment where he walks past him and he gets to see God and meet with him. And earlier in Exodus uh, 33, 11, it says in the tent of meeting when Moses would go in a different encounter that he it was like, Moses met with God face to face and that it was as though they were friends. God wants the same thing with you. He wants to meet with you face to face. That's why he knows your name, because you know your friends' names, Right? And you even know how to spell them correctly. With a name like Deborah, I've had my name misspelled most of my life. I always tell them it's the Hebrew way. Come on. But God wants to meet with you face to face because he wants to be your friend. He doesn't want a one-sided relationship where all we do is ask of him and hope and beg and plead that he's gonna do it. But he wants to talk. He wants to hear you speak to him. He wants you to... Tell him the things you're nervous about, that you're confused about, that you need his help with. And then he wants to answer you with how he's going to pull you through. God wants to be your friend. He wants to have a personal relationship with you that is not through someone else, through your parents or your grandparents or somebody else that you come to church with, but that is with you. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. To be known by God means that he wants to know you and to know you personally. He wants to be your friend and he wants to know you personally. He doesn't want this distance and this gap between us that keeps us from a relationship. And sometimes we feel like God moves and is further away from us, but God doesn't move. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He is unshakable in anything. He does not move, but sometimes we do. And maybe today you feel distance from God, but friend, let me tell you, the distance you feel is not because God has moved, but maybe you've started to take a step back and another little step. Maybe you've distanced yourself because the diagnosis that you were given doesn't resonate with what you thought God was calling you to do. Maybe you've distanced yourself from God because you don't understand why the abuse and the neglect and the addiction has been a part of your life for as long as you can remember. Maybe you've distanced yourself because you just don't understand why God would do that to good people. So we take steps away from God and we start looking at him as some puppet master controlling and causing evil and good in our life and blaming him for the things that we don't understand. And what it does is it brings distance in our relationship. It keeps us from really knowing God face to face. And I love it that in the Psalms and throughout David's story, you see him call out to God in the ugly times and in the good times. And David doesn't hold back. He goes full force at him. Why would you do this? Why would you put me here? What are you doing, God? I don't understand. Guess what? God can handle that kind of commentary from somebody because it means that we're actually talking. That's why he wants to have a personal relationship with you. He wants to have a dialogue, even when it doesn't feel good, even when you're frustrated, even when you're mad, at least you're talking. Anyone who's ever been in an intense moment of fellowship, which is our pretty language for a fight, knows that if you stop talking, that's when it gets worse. If we can at least keep talking, then we're moving somewhere together. And that's what God wants you to know today, that he knows you by name and he wants to be with you and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And when you are known by God, this is our our next point. When you're known by God, he sees you and he wants you to live a life and life more abundantly. God doesn't just want you to survive through the next trauma in your life, but he wants you to have life and life more abundantly. John 10, 10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but God has come, Jesus has come himself, so that you may have life and life more abundantly. God is hoping that we walk in the fullness of everything he's called us to be, everything that he's set forth for us to do. Not that we would barely make it through and go from trauma to trauma to trauma to trauma, only barely surviving, but he wants us to live an abundant life. That's not some prosperity doctrine. That's the truth of God's word. Abundant doesn't necessarily mean rich or problem free or wealthy and able to do whatever we want and all of our relationships work great and there's no conflict in our life. No, life abundantly is that we choose not only to know where we're going, after death, but we bring heaven to earth. It means that we are advancing God's mission forward and we're bringing people to him day in and day out, that we get to walk in freedom here on this side of earth, that we get to walk in healing right now, that God's miracles are for today, not for some day that we're buried in the ground, that his miracles are for now. That's what the life, life more abundantly is. God doesn't want you to just sort of know who you are. He wants to be able to tell you who you are, assign your purpose, and have you walk in the fullness of your calling. Life more abundantly is that he has pleasures for you in his right hand waiting to bless you to equip you, to move you to everything that you could ever ask. Oh, actually more than anything you could ever ask, think, or imagine. Beyond your wildest dreams are the good things that God has planned for you. Yet sometimes it's very difficult to see that. And what we see in Genesis 16 is a story of a Egyptian maidservant, Hagar, who could not see past her current situation and circumstance and the place where she was at to know that God had better things for her ahead. So she's an Egyptian maidservant to Sarah and Abram. Sarah's been promised a child and she's not seen the fruition of that. She's not seen that she's going to have a child because she's older in age and she just doesn't believe, she even laughs that God would promise this to her. So she has this great idea. Okay, I'm going to figure it out because I don't think God's moving in my timing or the way that I think he should. None of us have done that, right? Okay, so she gets this plan together. Okay, Abram, I've got it all figured out. You're actually going to try to have a child with my servant and that's going to fulfill God's promise to me, okay? It's going to be cool. No big deal, guys. No big deal. Let's do this. It'll work. It'll be great. And so Abram and Hagar get pregnant. And from that moment, there's clout, there's shame, there's issue with what's going on. Well, it should have been in the inception of the idea because it's a terrible idea to begin with. But Hagar begins to resent Sarai, that she's put her in this position and She looks at her with contempt is what the word says. And then Sarah begins to be angry with Hagar that she's pregnant and then angry with Abram for what he did. Isn't that just like a woman to be mad at the guy for doing her idea? Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But there's all this conflict. There's all this disagreement. And Hagar cannot for the life of her figure out what is going on here. And so she runs away and she's at this, in the wilderness at this brook. And all of a sudden an angel says to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? As though the angel of the Lord doesn't have a clue, right? He knows, she knows. I don't know if angels have gender, sorry. I don't wanna get into that. But the angel, the angel knows. But what is the first word out of the angel's mouth? Hagar he calls her by name, he calls her by name, whereas before Abram and Sarah, I never call her by name. They call her the servant, the servant. And isn't it interesting that somebody would want to call us by what we do or what, we're, what we are, are about or our season of life rather than by our name? Sounds a lot like the accuser of the brethren. It calls us by our sin, calls us by our addiction, calls us by our past, calls us by our failures, calls us by our insecurity, calls us by what we do and not who we are. It's the enemy of your soul that does that. There's one accusatory voice in our world, and it is the enemy that is out to steal your soul, out to kill your soul and out to destroy it. He'll use any method possible to take you down. And the best method he knows is to call you by something besides your name. The best method he knows is to remind you of the mistakes that you've made, to steal your identity and recapture it for him, to take your purpose and squash it and to leave you hopeless without a calling for the future. He identifies you by your sin, yet God himself calls you by your name. He never addresses us by our sin, our shortcomings, our insecurities, our mistakes, but he calls us by name. That's what it means to be known by name. That in the moment of our greatest failure, our greatest disheartment, in the season of difficulty that we might be going through, that God does not look at you and say, you idiot, how did you mess this up? Instead, he says, daughter, by name, Hagar, where are you at? What are you doing? What are you running from? that moment had to have changed her life completely she's an Egyptian so she's not actually a worshiping Israelite but God still calls her by name he knows her name even though she wasn't didn't have perfect attendance at church he knows her name even though she made some really skeptical decisions and maybe they weren't even hers to make He knows her name and her weakest point. In the moment where she's ready to give up, pregnant and alone in the wilderness, he calls her by name. And he says, you know what? I'm actually gonna tell you the purpose of everything that you're going through. I'm actually gonna give you a, a purpose for your child. And I already know his name. I'm gonna give you a promise and I know you by name. And this is her response, she says, you are the God who sees me, and have I truly seen the one who sees me? To be seen and to be known by God in our weakest point shows us that he knows our name and he cares for us more than we could ever imagine. It means that he notices when we're going through struggles, that he understands our suffering. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? He came to earth as God's son to live a blameless life, to live a sinless life, a perfect life, but went through all the suffering that we did too, to understand and to empathize with us as his children, as, as those that he loves, what it means to go through difficulty, to what it means to grieve, what it means to be tempted, God knows us and he knows what it feels like and he wants to meet us in that moment. To be known by God means that he sees you. He sees you. And your weakest point, he sees you. He knows you and he wants you to live a life, life more abundant That, where he identifies your purpose. He tells you who you are And he assigns a calling to what you're going through that nobody else could. He knows you and he has life and life more abundantly for you. God cares for you and he wants to have this kind of relationship with you that isn't a a big group setting where we all have to wear name tags and hope that people like us for who we really are. But God knows you and he loves you and he cares for you. And he wants to have a personal relationship with you. And I love Restoration Church. I love what God is doing through your different campuses and all of your ministers and your leadership team. And one of the things I'm gonna walk away with is the phrase, just one more. Just one more. And you may be here today and you don't even know what that means. But there's a parable in the New Testament where it's talking about a lost sheep. Jesus is telling the story and he says that You know, there was this shepherd and he all of the sudden saw that he had a sheep missing and he left 99 of them to go after the one. That he left the others who were all together and under his care to go after the one. And Jesus uses this to show us that God is willing to go after you that it doesn't matter what you've said or what you've done or what's caused you to wander, that he's willing to go after you, that he wants you to be brought back into the fold. And this is what happens that he goes and he gets that one lost sheep and he picks them up and he carries them and he runs them back to the 99. And it says, rejoice with me for I found my lost sheep. And in the very same way, that is how God rejoices when you come to know him. See, he knows you. He knows your name. He knows you're coming and you're going, you're getting up and you're coming down. He knows every part of you, but he wants you to know him. And he is not hiding. He's waiting for you to take that one next step. Maybe you walked in today and you didn't want to be known. You didn't want your name to be shared. You didn't want to be seen. But friend, I'm here to tell you today that he sees you, he knows you, and he cares for you that you're not gonna leave this room today without taking a step towards him because I believe he has something for you. More than what you've been striving and working towards, but everything that he's called you to, that his identity that he has for you, his purpose that he has for you, the calling that he has on your life is too great for you to walk away. So friends, if you don't know Jesus, take that step today. I'm gonna pray with you here in just a minute and I want you just to open your hearts to receive what he would have for you. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for a long time. Maybe you know all these scriptures that I'm talking about, but you need to be reminded that God really does care for you. He sees what you're walking through and you need to be known by him. Not by what you do or what you've accomplished, not by what you've done wrong or walked away from, but who he's called you to be. So I'm gonna ask that all of us just close our eyes just as a sign of of reverence to the Lord as we pray today. And I wanna pray for those that need to be reminded that God knows them and cares for them. And I wanna pray with those that need to know God today, that they wouldn't leave this room, that the stirring that they feel inside of them right now is the Holy Spirit drawing them to God and that he has life for you and life everlasting. Father, we thank you that you know every part of us. You know our coming and our going. Father, you know the good things we've been a part of and the things that we don't want anyone else to know. And so, Lord, we ask today that you would remind us who we are in you, the purpose that you've called us to, and the great things that you have for us, life and life more abundantly. Lord, I ask that you would remind those that have been walking with you that you see them, you want a personal connection with them, you're with them, and that you're using them. Lord, I pray for those that are in the room that don't know you personally yet. Those that are watching online or at another campus that don't know you personally yet. And God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would stir their hearts to say yes to Jesus. That they would say lord i know i've not done everything right but i want to walk with you god i don't want anything else but to be known by you and to know you so god we ask right now that your grace would be poured out on them that as they turn towards you god that their sins would be forgiven and that they would confess you as lord and savior lord you care about just one more So today would we, we know that you care about us just as you cared about that one lost sheep that you went after. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the work that you're doing through our church. And Lord, we ask that we would walk in the fullness of being known and being known by name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Let's worship together.